Well, good morning. morning. Man, it's awesome to be here uh, worshiping with you today. It is a treat to sit up front and just stop singing and listen to you guys worship God. Um, You got to try that sometime. It was awesome. Thanks for bringing God what he's worth today. That's what worship is, right? We brought him what he was worth today. So thanks for doing that. It was awesome to hear. Hey, listen, we're in the middle of this series called Reflex. It's about responding to God in worship. And maybe think about our reflexes. When you think about your human reflexes, what's the first one you think of? All right? When the doctor hits you with the little hammer and hits you in the knee and you're like that. You ever go home and do that to yourself just for kicks, like a couple hours? It's good times. You should try that. There's all kinds of reflexes in the human body. They tell me there's dozens of them. Um, Things like shivering, you know, if you're too cold, you shiver. Uh, If you get too bored with a sermon, you yawn. That's a reflex. Um, Don't do that. I'm watching. Um, uh, Things like uh, sneezing is a reflex. And then uh, then you have the thing with your eye. If it gets exposed to too much light, your pupils will shrink down, right, to to monitor the amount of light. So over Christmas break, I was at the table and watching my kids. They're, They're shining flashlights in each other's eyes. Watching their pupils go big and small, big and small. I was like, guys, 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 it's my turn next. I want to, I want in on this, huh? <laughs> my turn. It's pretty cool. I mean, we're easily entertained at this Wimkey household, let me tell you. We have these built-in reflexes physically that we, that we have, but we also can develop reflexes. If you're a high-class athlete, you develop these reflexes and you hone your skills and so that your, your, your body just kicks into action just like that. Let me, let me just ask, start with a question. What if we developed the reflex of worship in our lives such that every single day we live life as worship to God? Wouldn't that be awesome? We develop that kind of reflex in our life. Every time we see God at work, we just respond to him in praise. Every time we recognize something that we're grateful for, we just give him thanks. Every time we're in a situation, good or bad, we declare, God, you are sovereign, and I know you're working even when I don't know how it's going to come to fruition. God, you are at work, and you give him praise. That's living a lifestyle of worship, responding to God. What if... We thought of worship not as something we do primarily as a church when we come together, but it's something that it it defines who we are. Worship is who we are. We can't help ourselves. We long to respond to the living God as he's at work, not just on Sunday mornings, but all throughout the week in our lives. That's what we mean by reflex, to make every day. Every day, if we do that, every day has importance. Every moment has meaning. Our, our lives can go from mundane to insane. I didn't say that in the first service. I thought it was cheesy, but y'all laughed, so it worked. You only got to say it insane for it to work. See? How do we do that? How do we live a life of reflex back to God? Let's look at the scriptures together. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The verses will be on the screen. And Paul is writing under inspiration of God, and he's wrestling with the same idea. In fact, he's trying to live it out, and this is what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper what? Worship. This is how you worship. This is what is meant by worship. It's not just 
in a song or in a service. It's your life. We said last week when, when we go to live a life of worship and when we worship here in church, it doesn't matter where the worship is. It begins and is founded in who God is and what he's done. You remember that last week? We said it's founded in who God is and what he's done for us. Well, Paul's saying exactly the same thing. I want you to live your life as true and proper worship because, look, in view of what? God's mercy. He said, I can't get over God's mercy that I was destined for hell and judgment was upon me and my sins overweighed me and what I deserved was punishment. But in view of God's mercy, God intervened and God showed me mercy and the punishment I deserved, he didn't give me. In fact, he was merciful to me. And in view of that, looking at that again and remembering that, God, I just have to respond and worship to you. God, thank you for what you've done for me. And it moved him to worship God, not just in a song, but with his, with his whole life. And that's what Paul's saying. We live our lives in worship to God as we respond to the mercy of God, as we respond to the love of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the provision of God. And all these things we see in our lives, we go, man, I can't wait to tell him thanks and respond back to him. And so this idea of God's mercy and his love and his goodness and all these things and who he is and what he's done, it bleeds over into the other areas of our lives. It, doesn't, it can't be confined here. It can't be confined in my prayer time in the morning, but it starts showing up in other areas of my life and it just bleeds over into everything I do. Now, this idea of bleeding over, we, we, we uh, have that happen to us all the time. For instance, if you're sick and you're physically dealing with, uh, you know, not, not, not feeling well, that bleeds over, right? I mean, you have a physical problem, but it bleeds over into things like your work. You're not as productive as, as you normally are. You can't think as clear. It affects your relationships. Anybody get a little grumpy when they're sick? Liars. Okay, you either whine or you get away from everybody. You're either a whiner or you just you know, don't talk to me. That's pretty much the two categories. It affects our relationships. It absolutely does. How about, when you, uh, how about when you get a new toy? Let's just say a new car. Do you only think about that new car when you're driving it? Oh, no. You show your friends. You look out the window once in a while just to make sure it's still there. Look how awesome that thing is. You can, you can smell that new car smell if you stop and think about it long enough. Man, you're thinking about that, and you're looking forward to driving it again. It, it bleeds over into the other parts of your life because it, it's something worthy of your attention. Guys, when we think about the love, mercy, goodness, kindness, generosity of our God, it bleeds over into the other facets and areas of our lives. It can't be contained on Sunday morning. Man, it's, it's a part of who I am. And we'll live lives of worship and live lives of lasting purpose when we do a couple things, when we align our actions and our attitudes in adoration to God. That's what really living a lifestyle of worship is. That's what it means to respond to God as a reflex. When our actions and our attitudes are aligned and we point them in direction of him, man, that's what it means to live a life of worship. And that's what Paul was describing in this passage. That any single moment of any situation, we can live lives of worship to God. 
And so let's talk about those three things, actions, attitudes, and adoration. First of all, you understand worship in itself is an action. Worship is an action. Worship isn't a service. I know we go to worship service, but worship isn't a service. Worship isn't, doesn't just happen when three songs and, you know, the, the offering time. Worship is an action that can incorporate so many, in fact, all of the areas of our lives. It's about how we live our lives when we, when we get this right. Where Christ isn't a part of my life, Christ isn't a footnote to my life, where Christ is my life. I was once in darkness, and then I come running out of a grave, and because that's true, man, Christ is everything to me, and he's not a part of my life, he is my life, and I offer my life back to him as worship to him. God, you want my hands, take my hands. God, you want my mind, take my mind. God, you want my feet, here they are, and I offer myself back to you because you're worthy of it all. Yeah. So the right time to worship is all the time, anytime. That's what we're saying here. I also want you to know the quality of the worship we offer him. The quality of the worship. Put that Romans 12 back up. It says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. The next word is, what kind of sacrifice? Holy. The sacrifice that we offer to God is a holiness. That's an action, isn't it? Where you and I live lives that are increasingly holy to him. When you think about a sacrifice, my mind always goes to the Old Testament. I mean, most of your Bible, when people came before God and they were trying to... uh, Um, have favor with him and have their sins covered for another season of time, they would bring an animal to an altar and they would lay their hands and confess their sins on the animal and then the priest would slit that animal and sacrifice it and lay it upon an altar in worship to God, that the blood of that animal would simply atone, which means cover, that it will just postpone the judgment of God a little while longer. The sins that they committed will be pushed off for a little while longer till a sacrifice could finally come a perfect sacrifice, a holy sacrifice that would take all that sin one day. And so when they brought an animal to God, they couldn't take the lame, the weak, the sick, the runt. They couldn't take any of those. Over 50 times in the law, the first five books of the Bible, it says, when you bring a sacrifice to me, I want you to bring one that is blameless, blameless and without blemish. That's what the scripture said. You wanted a holy, pleasing sacrifice to God. One that was as perfect as it could be. This perfect sacrifice is what God required. In fact, I'll read you Reve- um, Leviticus twenty two twenty one says, When anyone brings from the herd or flock a fellowship offering to the Lord to fulfill a special vow or as a freewill offering, it must be without defect or blemish, listen, to be accepted. God wouldn't accept any sacrifice but a holy one, a perfect one. Can I tell you that if it's up to me to bring a perfect sacrifice to God, I'm going to fall woefully short? And if it's up to you to bring a perfect sacrifice to a holy God, it's going to be woefully uh, woefully short. So praise God, Jesus Christ came, and he was this perfect sacrifice, the lamb without blemish. Uh, One of the disciples said, look, the lamb of God, John the Baptist said, "The, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ came to be the perfect sacrifice for a holy God.
And because he's done that for us, the reflex, the response, not to earn his favor, but because we have his favor, not to earn his forgiveness, but because we have his forgiveness, not to earn God's love, but because we have God's love, then the natural response and reflex ought to be, I offer God, because you gave your life for me, I offer my life, my hands, my mouth, my mind, my feet, anything you want in service to you, I offer it back to you. May it be holy before you. May it be pleasing in your sight, O God. That's what Peter was inspired to write. God said, listen, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You had, a, you had a pattern of your life that was always disobedient to God, but then Jesus intervened and he gave you new life. So, but just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. God's saying, I'm holy, I'm morally perfect, I'm beautiful, I'm without blemish. And because I am that, I want you to come to me and become more and more holy as I am holy. Now we say, our motto here is no perfect people allowed. And we mean that. We know we're all broken and busted. Not one of us can come as a holy and perfect sacrifice to the Father. But what that means is we all realize that by the grace of God, we're here today. And he's doing a work in us. So when we say, God, I want to live a life holy and pleasing to you, it says that's the direction of my life and that's what I want and that's what I'll labor towards, God. But I know that I'll fall down. And when I stumble and fall and I pick myself up, what it means is I don't stop there and say, I guess it's not worth it. Or I turn around and go back to my old life. But it's God, pick me back up, brush me off and help me to continue to seek you and find you and follow you and be holy as you are holy. So whenever we take action, Whenever we do even little things and offer our bodies to, as a sacrifice to God, they, they can be worshiped to God. When we open our Bible, it can be worship. When we go to God in prayer, it's worship. When we gather here, we can, we can experience worship of God and offer a pleasing sacrifice to Him. When we serve others, we, t we do physical things and help someone out, help our neighbor, help someone at the church, serve someone else, serve the kids in our church. Whenever we do any of those things, that's an offering that can be a sacrifice, pleasing and, and holy to God. Man, anytime we resist temptation and refuse to gossip or flee uh, a tempting situation or, or kick a bad habit or take every thought captive to Christ. Every time we do that and we're striving to be holy as he is holy, it's worship to God and he is glorified in that and we move closer to his heart in being holy and it's not for our self-gratification. It is not that we'll feel better about ourselves. It's that we might praise him with a holy life. And when we understand worship is an action, it'll change how we live, won't it? It'll also help us make sense of some, some passages that could be confusing to us. Hosea 6, 6 says this. He says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Wait, didn't they just do sacrifices? Aren't we supposed to bring a sacrifice? Yes, yes. Those are good. 
but I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Listen, when you bring me your offerings and, and you think if you can just jump through these religious hoops and do what you think appeases me and then go about your life and not live any differently, that's not my desire and that's not what I'm after, God says. I want you to bring an offering to me. I want you to gather in worship for me. I want you to do all those things. But most of all, I want your heart. I want you to desire me more than I want you to desire religion or an offering. Jesus quoted that passage. And so God's saying, don't just seek me on Sunday. Don't seek me just in a song. Don't just seek me when you've got problems. Let your life be an offering to me and honor me with your obedience and decide that whatever my word decrees that is true and good for your life, that's my standards for your life, that you'll agree that those are good and true and that you'll say yes to those things even before you know how to be obedient to them. You'll say, God, I desire to be pleasing to you with my life and offer my life wholly as a sacrifice to you. Man, God's pleased. He's pleased when we offer our lives as worship to him. Worship is also an attitude. It's also an attitude. So if, if we have the right actions and we're doing all the right things, and we do this at times, but we're not thinking, hey, this is for God's glory. Maybe I'm doing it for my own recognition, or maybe I'm doing it just because this is what I always do, or this is the habit I have. And you're not really focused intently on this is done for God. Those actions might not be worship. But when we align our actions and our attitudes together and realize, hey, God, I'm going to do these things, but I'm also going to bring my heart and my mind and, and say and answer the question, why am I doing these things? And the answer is because of you. Now we got worship. When we align our attitude and our actions together. So worship is also an attitude. Paul wasn't just living for himself. Go back to Romans 12.1. He wasn't just trying to please himself. He realized his life had a much greater purpose than living for himself. He said, I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I'm living my life to please you, not please myself. The attitude is there that I'm doing whatever I'm doing for the glory of God. That every moment... Doesn't matter what you're doing. Can be offered as worship to him if our attitude and our heart is right before him. And, and the attitude of worship is this: How do I please God in this moment, right now? You can be anywhere and wherever you are, wherever the week takes you. How do I please God in this moment? Not how do I please myself. Not how do I please others. How do I please God, the God who loves me, the living God, the God who rescued me, the God who loves me, who's, who's uh, over me and sovereign over this world. How do I please you in this moment? When we start asking that question, man, we've entered into an attitude of worship to God. And he'll receive it as a, as a beautiful sacrifice. So every day takes on new meaning if we get this right, doesn't it? We don't have to be here to worship. You don't have to be gathered with other believers to worship. I mean, believe in what we're doing on Sunday morning. Go back to last week. This is really important to what we do. But every single moment can be lived as worship to God. So let me give you, a, for instance, we got some students here. What does it look like to live a life of worship to God at school? How do you do that? What's God looking for? It, same, same things at work, same things at home. 
But it's things like this. You little silent prayers through the day. And you're just talking with God. And you're saying things like, God, I'm so thankful that you're with me. God, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you love me. You might pray things like, God, I'm worried about my test coming up. And I just want you to know I've done my best. Now just help me to remember what I've studied. You might see one of your uh, fellow students and they're not looking the same. You say, God, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I pray that you minister to them, God. And, and if I'm supposed to say something, would you give me the words to say? That's worship to God as you're just, you're just having this conversation with him. It can look like uh, just gratitude. God, thanks for my friends that I, that I have in this class. God, thanks for a new day. God, thanks for waking me up this morning. God, thanks for the family that I've got. God, thanks for getting to come to an institution of learning and, and growing my knowledge. I can't, I'm so thankful for my classes. <laughs> You're really super spiritual if you say that one. It's like looking for opportunities. God, who... Who are you putting in my path today? God, is that the person I'm supposed to encourage? God, is that the person I'm supposed to serve? God, is that the person I can pray for? God, is that the person I can share your good news with? God, is that the person I'm an example to? And, and you're just looking for opportunities that the living God is active in your life and he's moving all around you and you're just acknowledging that he's moving and you say, God, I just wanna join you in whatever you're doing around me. I'm available. I just wanna be open and av- to any opportunity you give me. It means giving, your parents are going to love this. Students, it means giving your studies to God. It means giving Him your best with your schoolwork. I say, how does it mean that? It's acknowledging that the God of the universe has given you a sound mind. And as worship to Him, you use that mind to the best of your ability, that you don't want to waste anything He's given you, that every resource in your life can be given back to worship to Him, that when you study and you give it your best, that's pleasing to the Father when you do so. That's, that's how you worship at school. You just ride in the same bus, you're going to the same classes, you're hanging around the same people, but the difference is, is you've included the living God into the conversation and you are pointing your attention and your heart and your mind to him and it's about him and it's not about you getting through the day, it's about you engaging God in your day. I can't tell you how many days I've wasted as a student, as an employee, as a pastor, where I thought, I'll just check out. I'll do this on my own. I haven't included God. And I put my head down and I barrow through the day and I miss out on worshiping him with my life. And I'm not offering my body as a living sacrifice to him. Man, I'll tell you what, I miss, when I do that, I miss out on the living God's influence in my life day after day after day. Friend of mine, when he when he disciples new believers, he says the first lesson I, I give them is uh, I, I tell them when you go to a place and you see trash on the ground, you pick it up and you throw it away. I'm like, what? That's like that's like the first thing you teach me. He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's, I don't understand that. He's like, it's not about what you do. It's about the attitude in which you do it. 
He says, I teach them that when you pick up that trash, you're doing it because God's creation is beautiful and you help keeping his creation beautiful. And when that person that dropped that thing doesn't stop to do it, you're serving them or you're serving the employees that would have had to do it. You're serving them by doing it. And it's not what you do. It's the attitude in which you do this simple act of picking up a piece of trash. That can be worshiped to God. And when he teaches them that lesson, what he's teaching them is everything you and I do, every moment of our days can be lived as worship to God. There's a a Christian monk, Brother Lawrence, wrote a beautiful book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Listen to what he says in it. He says, we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. God says, listen, you can can do the dishes to my glory. If you say, listen, I'm going to do this to serve my family and because I love you, God, and all that you've done for me, this is the least I can do, and I offer up the dishes to you in worship, that is authentic worship to God. Just like picking up a piece of trash. Because we know why we're doing what we do. Our attitude, it's about him. I want to please him in this moment. Man, that's an attitude of worship. So when worship is an action and worship is an attitude and those two things are aligned together, we're, we're not doing actions with the wrong motive and we're not just pie in the sky like I love God but I never comes into, into action. No, it's neither one of those. It's when both of those have my heart and my hands align and I do things for the right reasons and I do them for the glory of God. Man, that's worship. And we do those things most of all because we know for whom we do them. And that's what we mean by adoration. Worship is adoration. When we align our our actions and our attitudes and we do them for him, it, it refocuses our mind and our heart on the fact that this is all about God. Paul is a beautiful example of this. We've been reading Romans 12.1 over and over again, right? And it starts, the first word in that passage says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And when there's a therefore in the Scriptures, you have to know what it's there for. First service laughed at that. And so we got to go back a few verses and see what it's there for. Look at, Paul is getting lit. He is getting fired up about the goodness of God. And he's worshiping God and he's adoring God. And he's overcome and overwhelmed by God. And because he's overwhelmed by God, then he says, I'm going to live my life as a living sacrifice to him. Look what he says. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God, you are wise beyond comprehension. God, you are all knowing. There is nobody like you. How unsearchable his judgments. God, this world is not always just, but one day justice will reign and you will bring all things into justice. And his paths beyond tracing out. God, you are at work in indescribable ways. When I don't see you at work, when I don't understand the situations I'm in, you're doing things beyond my understanding. There's paths you're laying out that I can't even comprehend, but you're at work even when I don't see it. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? God, he's, he's beyond our understanding. 
Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? God is the great giver, the generous giver, the author of life, the giver of all good things. James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Everything good in our lives comes from him. And for him and through him and from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. He just caught up, overwhelmed at the multifaceted goodness of God and the grace of God and the love of God and who he is just overwhelms Paul like it ought to overwhelm us. And his natural reaction is, God, because of who you are and because of what you've done, I want to offer everything I've got back to you. I know that offering isn't going to be perfect, but what I have, I give you as worship because you're worthy, not just on Sunday morning, not just when I feel like it, but all throughout my day and all throughout my life, I offer myself to you. And instead of you and I taking credit for things in our life that are good, I say, man, you got such an awesome family. And you go, whoa, 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 I got to tell you, uh, our family isn't awesome because we're awesome. Our family might be awesome because Jesus Christ is in our family and he's made it awesome. Or man, you got such an awesome career or you know, great things going in your life. Listen, that is by the grace of God that I have what I have. God is the author of those things. He gets the credit for that. Man, you are so fit or you're so healthy. Man, I could be, my body could be withering away, but by the grace of God, he has allowed me to be healthy. Everything good in our lives, we can't take credit for. He gets the credit and we adore him for it yeah so here's how we're going to close i want us to evaluate where are we how are we doing in this reflex of worship are you seeing the ways that god is working around you and who he is and what he's doing and throughout your week and throughout your day that you are responding to him and your actions and your attitudes are, are pointing up to him and you're trying to bring him as much glory as possible. Can I challenge you? Let's, let's just start with this. Let's just start with some doing some very mundane tasks for God's glory. Find a mundane task to do this week and while you do it, do it for him. Don't do it for anybody else. Don't do it for your spouse or your kids or your mom. Do it for him. And, and offer those mundane tasks to God as worship to God. And you'll be surprised how much easier that thing to do is when you realize it's for him. What if we devoted an entire day to try to live this out, to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God? And so here's my challenge. Take your bulletin, your, your outline here, or maybe you want to write down uh, Romans 12.1 on an index card and, and stick it somewhere. But take this or that index card. If you're a student, you could put it in your backpack or, or your notebook. And every time you pull that out, you're reminded of God and that your life is a living sacrifice. And you just stop right there and you say that one of those prayers or you just, you encounter God in that moment. Or you put this on the, on the mirror of your, of your um, sink and remind you, the first thing when you get up, man, my life is a living sacrifice to God. And that's going to change how I treat my family and how I go about my day. Because he is worthy of my best effort to please him. Maybe you stick that on the, the steering wheel of your car because, let's just face it, that's where we need it a lot. <laughs> and you're reminded, my life 
Not what I said Sunday morning at church, but what I, what I do and what I think and what I say Monday morning is just as much worship to God as anything else I can do. And God, I want to just spend the day. You take this thing with you, you stick it in your pocket or you carry it around like a fool and people say, what the heck are you doing? You say, I want to be reminded of the goodness of God and I want to worship him today. Just take a visual reminder with you. So we've been talking a lot about living a life pleasing to God as, a, as worship to God. I got to tell you, we don't do that in to earn his favor and earn a relationship with God and earn his love and acceptance. Those things only come through the perfect sacrifice that Jesus was on a cross. And because he willingly laid down his life, the sin that you and I have done and the punishment that we deserve, he gladly bore that in our stead and offered himself to the Father as the perfect sacrifice for payment for those sins. He went to hell so we didn't have to. He died so we didn't have to. And he rose again victoriously to offer life to all who call on his name for it. He's offering life and forgiveness and relationship today to anyone who does not know him. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, in this room right now, you're calling someone back to yourself. You want a relationship with them. Maybe they've been trying to earn it. Maybe they think they had to live up to certain measures, standards, in order to please you. God, open their heart to the truth that they could never do enough to please the infinitely holy God. But because of your love and mercy, you made a way for them to know you. You made a way for them to experience your love and forgiveness. God, you made a way that they can enjoy your presence forever in heaven. And that way is Jesus Christ. His sacrifice counted for them. And now he offers eternal life and forgiveness to all who receive it. And right now, Jesus is extending his hand to you and saying, will you take my offer of eternal life? Will you admit that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Will you admit that you need a savior who would rescue you? And will you turn to Jesus Christ as that rescuing savior? If that's you today and you say yes to those things, then you pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the sacrifice I could never be. I believe you paid the price and the debt that I could never pay. And I put my faith in you, Christ. Would you be the forgiver of my sin, the lover of my soul, and the leader of my life? I will give you thanks and praise. You love us that much. And God, as we have this opportunity to worship, for those that said yes to Christ in that moment right now, I wanna encourage you to go to the next step table in the back when this song is playing and go to one of those uh, folks and just let them know the decision you made to trust Christ today. We wanna, we wanna celebrate with you. And God, as we enter a song of worship, it's just another one of those opportunities to tell you how we feel about you, to respond in worship to you, 
God, so I pray you take these few moments and you use it in our hearts that we could just express our gratitude and thanks and love back to you, the one who has given us all good things. God, would you receive this as worship now? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.